pinatas play to win. So when they're not racing, squashing bugs or tossing dynamite, they're getting in peak racing, squashing and tossing condition. Push your favorite pinata to limit in over 50 fast-paced games and races. Collect the most candy points and win, win, win. Viva pinata, party animals. Xbox.com forward slash Viva Pinata Party Animals. Rated E for everyone. Comic mischief, cartoon violence. Jump in! Xbox 360 Live! Welcome to Listener to Our Podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Let's play random banter through the night. You're the only one that I'll invite. You don't even have to RSVP back to me. Get over here and hold me tight. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I don't feel like it anymore. I mean, I I came into this to do a recording on Power Pack. I didn't come into it to be serenaded by you with your sweet dulcet tones and you've just made me feel quite uncomfortable well i will sing to you as often as i can you and our adoring public all (laughs) well i listen to the show so it's really for me that i do it okay all right okay i have to edit that and you know you know it's gotta be something christmas related holiday related it's gotta be i mean i just don't know what it is though okay i'm gonna give you a hint okay it's a gwen stefani song Nope, not going to get it for me. I'm going to give you another hint. Okay. What's the name of what we're covering? Uh, we're covering a holiday special. It's a Marvel what? holiday special. What? It's subset? a Secret Santa. Is it? Is it a Secret hey, Santa? Hey, you got it. You got it. It's Gwen <laughs> Stefani's Secret Santa. And why okay. would I pick Gwen Stefani's Secret Santa? Because of the reasons you just said? Yes. <laughs> you might hear her in malls. And there's some Secret Santas going on. Yeah. And all those things are absolutely true with what we're going to be covering, because, you know, if you look outside and look at the weather, wherever you're listening to this, if you listen to it on the weekend that this comes out, the one thing you're going to be thinking of is Christmas. (laughs) Yes. And regional flooding and rain. And a potential of summer Christmas coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are stuck in a comic book about Marvel holiday specials from the 2000-somethings. From the 2007s. There we go. 2007s. That's what we're covering here. Came out 2007, 2008, somewhere. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. I don't know if you remember, but 2007 was 365 days of Christmas. You remember that? The Christmas of 07? No, you see, I don't remember that because that was... Pre becoming a dad and hard to not, remember anything not, from back then. Hard to remember then. anything. Yeah, 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 nothing at all. I feel you. Funny thing is, we're recording this on Father's Day, June nineteenth. That's also Juneteenth. I should point that out as well. But we're recording on Father's Day. I just got back from the Washington State Comic Con. 2022 Washington State Comic Con, and I went there with my daughter this weekend and got to hang out at Weasel Skull, Jason Albright's house. Went up to the Comic Con and had a great time with my daughter. Saw a lot of people, got some signatures. The 
power pack thing that we did, though, is after walking around the first day and having a lot of good interactions with Agnes Garboska, and I probably destroyed that last name, but she's the official illustrator for DC Superhero Girls, Teen Titans Go, My Little Ponies, Care Bears. We went back today and and we were talking to her, and after watching her do some watercolors, I said, maybe we should get her to do some kind of commission for us. And we decided (laughs) on getting a Julie Power and Katie Power commission from her watercolor. And it is absolutely adorable. It is absolutely cute. Uh, I tweeted a picture of it today. I think I did. I know I put it on Facebook, but I'll make sure I tweet it out as well. You did the during and the after, and it is uh, quite glorious. It's fun. It's a lot of fun looking. It was really cool watching her do it. I mean, it's a masterclass on just watching somebody sketch ink, then watercolor something right there in front of you. And it's just it's fabulous. It's fantastic. And we were both very thrilled. We were very proud of ourselves of our choice on it and it made <laughs> us feel good. So I don't know, it was it was it was a really nice time. Had a good time at the Comic Con. It's always kind of fun seeing people out flying their freak flag and <laughs> interacting with comic creators, interacting with a lot of different people. And it was nice to be able to do that with my daughter this year. So that was kind of fun. Excellent. How about you? Uh, Do you do anything good comic related? No, but our remodel started on Thursday. Woo, the remodel started. Wait, hold on. Wait, no, actually, go back to Wednesday, where we got our email from the contract company who's going to be doing all the work for us. And they said, hey, we checked on your windows and doors. You know, those important structural things that you have are on a house that we're getting replaced. And he said, hey, we checked on those. Uh, So they're coming in late July. So our remodel is pushed back a month. Hey, cool. So that's what I'm doing is... uh, So you've got a lot of free time on your hand then. No, (laughs) I don't have free time at all. It would be nice. We did actually take a big slough time because it was like at the tail end of all the stuff we were trying to do to get in time for the remodel. It's just kind of like, oh, Hillary's come down with like a cold. So she's laid out and just not feeling good. I got kind of crippled up and it's just like, oh, uh, we've got a whole lot of last steps that we need to get back into, but we're waiting to feel better to get into them. So it's like, so we have had a little bit of free time, but it has kind of been like, oh, let's recover a little bit (laughs) before we get back into the grind. Oh, well, that's one thing you could be doing with your time. (laughs) Yep. Grinding. A lot of grinding. A lot of grinding of self and soul and all my edges. And I'm just ground down to a little blob of dadhood. Well, let's go ahead and just have something a little bit more enjoyable then. I mean, we're done with the loners, right? Oh, no, we're not done with the loners. We have to do a few more little issues for that. And the start of that is going to be this nice little holiday special. So let's get into it. How about that? Give us a two-sentence replay of what happened last episode, and we can uh, move on. Phil has become the Goblin Hawk, but then Chris becomes Dark Hawk, and what follows between the two is punch, punch, slam, slam, kick, kick, punch, punch, hit, hit. But then the rest of the team shows up to help fight Goblin Hawk, and it is all team punch, punch, slam, slam, kick, kick, punch, punch, hit, hit. After Phil is defeated, most of the secrets that have been going on come out to play, where we find out that Mickey's secret deal was that she was going to betray her team to Fujikawa sometime in the future. That Phil also made a secret deal with Fujikawa to take Hollow back and take care of her. That Naomi is Red Ronin 2.0, which means that she is a robot. That Maddie thinks that everyone is lame and that she is leaving the team right now. And then Phil and Hollow take off and everyone is sad. 
Now that the Maddie also told everyone that she and Johnny slept together, and this makes Julie super mad for some reason. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I've got a special one for you tonight. It's quite enjoyable. And you know it's that way because it is a bottle. And it also has a wax seal, which I'm glad I told you ahead of time so that you would actually show up with a knife for it. So why don't you reach on in that bag and pull out this nice bottle of beer. Crux, tough love, barrel-aged imperial stout. Look at those hearts and daggers in purple and red on a black background. That's a really pretty looking bottle. Hmm, Crux, I have good and bad (laughs) memories about you, but I like the purple wax that's on there. That's really kind of pretty looking. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Crux Brewery did a number on you at one point in time. (laughs) Oh, my guts were aching. Like the beard. But yeah, there's a story there, which I think we've told. This should be a better experience. And why did I choose Tough Love as you're as you're trying to cut into that without cutting your hand open? Here, let's do the story on that. The reason that we picked Tough Love is because it's the holidays and some gift giving is Tough Love gift giving. And what they are doing is all trying to go for reconnection and fixing problems and really kind of going, hey, here's a gift that comes from my heart and it should mean something to you. And I would like there to be a difference in our lives. So yeah, I, I went with went with straightforward and simple. And also when I was looking for beers, I couldn't find a holiday beer in July. So, you know, here's where we're at. Odd. Odd that you were having trouble with that. Tough Love by Crux Brewing, our ninth, and this is the 2021 version, our ninth vintage of an annual favorite. This year's Tough Love remains true to form, banished to select bourbon barrels under controlled conditions for nearly a year. Rich overtones of dark roasted malt, oak smoked wheat, malted rye give it away to delicate notes of velvety chocolate, vanilla, and dried cherries. 14% ABV. Ooh, this is going to be a fun one on an empty tummy. No, that's that's partially a lie. It's not entirely empty. I've had a lot of tea today. So oh, <laughs> more, more beverages for the bladder machine. As Jeff continues to fumble around with stuff, I will go ahead and describe what we see here. This You cannot see through this beer at all, but it's not black. It's more of a brown with maybe some red tones, but it's still impenetrable as far as seeing through it it's got a nice small head on it and the smell i mean we are talking about a bourbon barrel roasted malt oak smoked wheat malted rye velvety chocolate vanilla dried cherries i I mean all of that is right here yep the smell on it is uh imperial stout yeah if you know that smell that's exactly what the smell is which smells nice. Yep. It's pleasant. It's got those kind of coffee, kind of sweet tones to it. Take a sip of that, though. Huh. That tastes like an Imperial Stout. Yep. It tastes pleasant. It's nice. It's got some sweetness to it. It's got all the Imperial Stout notes very front forward on it, which sometimes I find to be very offensive. But this is subtle enough that it's like, yeah, that's pleasant. And then the aftertaste on it is a little more grip on the tongue and go, I'm barrel aged. But pleasant. It's it, This is a nice one. Happy Holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. You get the chocolate, you get the vanilla, you get the dried cherries. Mmm, there's a lot to this. Let me tell you, though, this is a beer that does take your money. (laughs) It does come in for a good swift punch. It's tough love. It's tough, (laughs) tough love. Mm. Oh, I should also mention, too, it's got 70 IBU as well, and and there is some bitterness to it as well. Mm. Mm -mm Mmm, I do think we are going to like this. I do think it's going to be quite tasty, and I think it's going to match up quite well with what we're 
I have a feeling on it, and I think my initial impression of it is going to last throughout. <laughs> I think Jeff is a happy, happy boy. Usually. Usually, usually, usually. Not always. Usually. Not always. Sometimes. Rare occasions. Hardly ever, if at all. Jeff, oh, give us some well. opening credits there, buddy. <laughs> Marvel Holiday Special 2007, issue number one, February 2008, Secret Santa. Credits, writer C.B. Cebulski, artist Alina Urasoff, letterer Dave Sharp, production Irene Lee, editor John Barber, assistant editor Michael Horwitz, editor-in-chief Joe Casada, publisher Dan Buckley. Featuring The Loners, Lightspeed, Darkhawk, Ricochet, Turbo, Red Ronin. You know them, you love them, and they're all here. A key feature of the Loner comics is brought into this special. The narration is by one of the members of the team, giving us, your audio narrators, a point of view to tell this story by. And through the magical power of the process of elimination, it is the team's newest member, the robot, or cyborg as they like to be called, known as Nami or Red Ronin, or the newest mysterious newest girl. The neat thing is that both Naomi and us, the reader, have something in common. We know nothing, nothing about her. She starts off this issue wandering around a bathroom, looking in a mirror, asking the important questions. Who am I? What am I? And do I have any positive feelings about the Kardashians? While the first two questions are puzzlers, the last one we can help with. No, nobody really cares about the Kardashians. Not even them. <laughs> Check that one off the list, then. At least she is now centered enough to rejoin her friends for a holiday gift exchange in Mickey's apartment. Her friends, the four remaining members of Loners, are sitting in a festively decorated room. Christmas tree, front and center, some garland on the wall, a poster of stockings, a Santa hat on Johnny's head, an elf on the shelf tastelessly drowning in a glass of eggnog. Nami drops some knowledge on the reader that these are ex-superheroes. Not X-Men, though. Just superheroes that are trying not to hero anymore. The rest of the team is excited to do the Secret Santa gift exchange. Uh, let me phrase that. Most of them are. Mickey is being way too serious, saying that this is breaking their promise not to hide things from each other. The others just call her a grouch and move on because they understand what joy is and how presents work. As Naomi ruminates on how cool it is that these strange strangers accepted her into their lives, Julie calls the group to order and draws their attention to the five small presents on the table. Johnny Boy picks up his present and requests to go first. He had picked up Julie's name, and he's using this as an opportunity to offer her an olive branch and repair their friendship. Oh, right! Last issue, Maddie let everyone know that she had an apparently unsatisfactory fling with Johnny, and then pieced out of the team, and this bombshell apparently upset Julie for some reason. So, uh, what did Johnny get her then? I already said, an olive branch. Duh. Yeah, Rick, I get that. He got her something that was as symbolic as the branch of an olive tree, traditionally regarded as a symbol of peace. So, what was the literal item that he got her to represent this symbolism? Like I said, a literal olive branch. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Somebody could not scrounge enough coins from the cushions for a good gift then, huh? Okay, okay. He also got her a $50 gift card for In-N-Out Burgers because this is the correct way to Julie's heart and forgiveness. Well, I'm glad that that works then because Julie gives the guy a big old hug and tells him that she misses him too. Next up is Mickey. She got Chris's name and is matching the act of forgiveness. She has been way, way, 
way too critical of Chris and his Darkhawk power. She has not been listening or accepting that this is part of who he is. That is a nice summation of the relationship. And in a fun turn, she gives him a necklace with a yin-yang symbol on it. You know, two different aspects, working as one, unity, yada, yada, yada. Then they kiss. So romantic. Chris feels like a bit of a heel as he hands Mickey her present. He went a bit more of, uh, what's the word? Judgy. Yeah, that's it. He points out that she has such a rigid, ordered life. She needs some true chaos and spontaneity. Something like dating an unstable man-child connected to a mysterious jewel that gives him ill-defined and strange powers. <laughs> Dude went to Spencer's and weighed the choice between a drink-this-shot dartboard and a magic eight ball. At least he went with a gift that he could tie into a romantic gesture. That would be the eight ball. You go, Chris. Julie, a full-on holiday cheerleader, prompts her to ask the eight ball if she can give her gift now. That'd be a negative on the flyby, Ghost Rider. Instead, Namie hands over a red bag to Johnny, and he pulls out a blue New York Yankees hat. And he is stunned. Yeah, he has always played off that he prefers the Mets, but in his heart, it has always been about the Bronx Bombers. Naomi has just heard Johnny talk about his love of his hometown, New York, and it is something that she wants. Uh, a home, but not a, not a baseball team. Johnny dons his new lid and sticks the Santa half on Naomi, prompting Julie to hand Naomi her gift and give some playful banner back to Johnny. Nobody knows anything about Naomi, including the Red Bang girl herself, so Julie purchased her a journal. Julie has won herself and has found it helpful to write down her thoughts as she tries to find herself. Now this is the Julie we know and love. Thoughtful, insightful, and giving people books. I'm glad that some recognizable character traits remain in her. Now that the presents are all given out, Mickey stands to make a little speech about how they have worked hard. How she knows abandoning the superhero life is not about going cold turkey. It is about finding balance and knowing when they should be heroes and when they should not be. She also has found them something special to do that does require them getting into costumes of sorts. Are you worried yet? A little bit, yes. And on the very next page, we see our group of loners hanging out at a mall. Chris dressed as Santa, Julie as Rudolph, and the rest as elves giving out toys to kids in front of a giant Christmas tree. Later that night, Naomi is sitting on her bed thinking about how she might not know who or what she is, but at least she now knows that she is not alone, and that maybe, just maybe, there is hope to be had after all. Hope that she might get her memories back. Hope that she might find the answers she is looking for. And hope that she might be taking her first steps towards feeling human. With that, she puts on her Santa hat, sits at her desk, and starts to write in her journal. And we hope we will see her again. We won't. Happy holidays, everyone. And now we have the themes of this issue. And I know it's kind of small, but it's still an issue. So let's talk about the cover issue. credits. They are drawn by Ron Lim. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I just met him this weekend, and I didn't take this cover with me. I'm kind of kicking myself. Anyways, they were drawn by Ron Lim, Scott Kobolish, and Andrew Crossley. Why didn't I take this with me this weekend? I don't know what's wrong with me. What a lovely, timely mistake. That is wow. wonderful how timely that, just, that is. I just, I just don't even Dude, know. It, I just it don't even happens. know. It happens. All right. Yeah. Ron Lynn, Scott Koblish, and Andrew Crossley, which it's just, oh man, this is a lot of things here because I've met Scott Koblish too and I haven't gotten him to sign this yet. So yeah, I'm just all over the board here. Anyways, there is nobody we know from our Power Pack coverage on this except for two people who have 
everybody knows, and Spider-Man and Wolverine. So to cover this issue, we've got Spider-Man hanging upside down, and he and uh, Wolverine is standing in front of a window. Uh, there's snow on the window. Spider-Man's holding on to some Christmas lights, and the lights are all wrapped around Wolverine in his yellow costume. And uh, he's not looking too pleased about the situation with these lit-up Christmas trees around him. He is a little annoyed. A little annoyed. Yep. A little annoyed. Well, that's kind of a classic Spider-Man Wolverine uh, dynamic where Mr. Gruff McGruff Gruff is uh, rather just teed off with happy-go-lucky neighborhood wall crawler. But in all honesty, it seems like Wolverine needs that kind of energy in his life and sort of seeks it out. And he's like, I don't want this at all. Are you going to wrap me in tinsel too? You know? <laughs> no, it's, hey, it's, Bob. It's a, it's a good It's a good cover for this issue and and we're and i think we should actually get into the rest of the parts of the special before we get into what we just covered actually let's do it the other way around we'll get into what else is in this after we get into what we just covered we'll do it that way <laughs> so makes sense some of the random themes that we got bringing up here the giving of gifts i think this is a nice little way of doing a, a bow on the loners they didn't really get a chance to wrap up their series but it's a nice way to bring them together we get a nice, quick little story bringing them back together because we left them in kind of a negative space. And C.B. Sobolski has got an opportunity to come in and through a very simple and understandable process of people giving Secret Santa gifts, is able to heal some wounds that were there, uh, that were left over. What are you thinking about it? I agree. No, it is a great little storytelling technique. It really is. And it, because it's, oh, it's it, doing Secret Santa. It's one gift from each and you can tell a little story. And so, this one is about acceptance. This one is about remembrance of home. This one is about the finding of self. This one is about forgiveness and camaraderie. This one is a mistake. It's a great storytelling technique. It really is. Because yeah. it's kind of like, here's a little trinket, but here's the story that goes with it. And it does... It puts a bow on the loners, not to be making a joke but for the holidays, but it does. It ties it up really nice, and it gives you a little bit of cohesion, and it brings the team back into being a team as opposed to where they left the series off at, which was really pretty broken and dysfunctional. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's nice. It's simple. Everything kind of works together. I mean... We could go through the gifts, but I think we pretty much understand what they are here. Mm -hmm. I would like to say that probably Johnny's is... Johnny seems to be the easiest. He gave a gift card. I've got my own oh, yeah. personal feeling about gift cards. So, <laughs> I, But at the same time, I don't expect that much more out of Johnny. I think no. that he did mean it, and I think that it is something that both him and Julie have in common. They both like going out, they eat together. It's something right from the series. And it's also the level of thought air introspection we really expect from johnny so it's yeah. fine it's fine but he did pick a place that she loves he yeah. knows she's going to use it it's sure. it's not like some gift cards that i've been given where it's like awesome i'll see you in 15 years kind of thing it's thoughtful it was also the aspect of like maybe we could use that to buy some double doubles and then we can yeah. do what we used to do so it worked out really well and he also knows julie's gonna go there because she yeah. is an in and out girl yeah. so yeah but then we have the switching of gifts here between chris and mickey and i think they both work i mean we make fun of the magic eight ball but at the same time i think they're going for simple gifts, and I think that what he has given her is something that is very much akin to you can't plan everything. You have to have some randomness in your life, and I think that helps sell that idea. 
I don't think any less of Chris Ford. I think that he put thought and feeling into it. And, you know, a guy on a budget, people on a budget, fine, yeah. I get it. And so I like the fact that there's also a bit of whimsy in there as well. Yeah, there is. And it, it's the fun and lighthearted and the you don't have to take everything in life as serious. Mm-hmm. Saying you, you don't have to plan for everything. There's going to be some unexpected twists and turns in your life. Yeah. And that's what an eight ball, magic eight ball is, is unexpected twists and turns. Yeah. Yes, no's, maybes, ask again laters, all the classics. And the yin and yang, their relationship, the turmoil inside Chris, which we're going to get to in the next couple of issues. But yeah, the, I think the yin and yang thing, uh, the... The necklace was a good gift that Chris got from Mickey. Once again, heartfelt, thought out, not too expensive, not breaking the bank, and just, it makes sense. Yeah, I feel like Johnny is the one who went above the recommended price range. Possibly. I feel like they, they had a like, okay, we're going to do Secret Santa with like a 10 to $15 yeah, yeah, yeah. cutoff cost. And he was like, Olive Branch is free, so obviously I can do a $50 gift card now. And, and then he felt man, I'm really cutting it out here, and, and I really owe her something. So, yeah. <laughs> and also, we also know that $15 at an In-N-Out burger, that might buy you the meal. <laughs> that ain't going to take you too far. No. But on the plus side, with In-N-Out burger, you cut the fries out cost because their fries are the worst I've ever had. <laughs> and there we go. We lost all of our California people. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, the burgers are fine. Their shakes are pretty good. I just find the fries to be styrofoam. That's my opinion. Do not blame anyone else. We've got our girl Nami giving Johnny a Mets cap, which, okay. She doesn't know these people at all. So she probably took the little she knows, went out and she did something that was very touching for Johnny. And he's surprised that, wow, she was listening. She comprehended that I like New York, that I miss home. This makes me think of home. This is makes me feel good. Bravo, once again, hitting that right magic budget land that they probably yep. had. I don't know where she's getting the money anyway. It's probably given the 15 bucks by somebody else. Yeah, she got something that meant something to Johnny. Just to mm-hmm. push away from this for a second, I want to dive into that. Nami is, I don't understand, it's like she has no money, but apparently she has a little apartment. And also for somebody who's like, I have no sense of self, I have no history, I don't know who or what I am, loves the Chotskis. She has got kitsch as far as the eye can see. The cute shirts with the little symbol stuff on it, like, oh, it's a little money, money cat, to just, to just trinkets all over the place, or it's like... It, for somebody who has no idea who you are, you sure like a certain kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, possibly she's got the stuff in the in there just to... It's not a big apartment that we see her in at the end here. No, it's not very big. It's more. It looks more like a student dorm. Maybe Fujikawa gave her a, a, a monthly stipend. Or it's the things that Mickey is giving her. I would say that Mickey might be giving, or Mickey or Julie or just the rest of them are giving her these little things. And they're things that somehow are, I don't know, they're, they're touching her somehow. It doesn't matter. We're never going to see her again, but no, she's totally going to come back. And then all of this will tie together and we'll get a wrap up storyline, man. I wish she would. I, I kind of actually kind of like the character. It'd be kind of interesting to see what they would do with her, but they're not bringing her back. Yeah. She gets a very thoughtful gift from Julie, mm-hmm. a notebook. Mm-hmm. To start chronicling this, which gives us why this is all being written down, why we're getting the first person narrative. It works together as a story. I think this is a well put together little story. I think it's quite nice, quite enjoyable. And for where we were left off with the loners, this is a nice little addendum to them. So it is. 
It is a nice little tie. It's a nice little tie up. It's a nice little denim. It's a nice little slice of life. Doing a story in any holiday tends to work really pretty well because you have some connotations with those holidays, but also it allows people to be able to express themselves a little bit more. There's a reason why it's just like, hey, uh, I know it's uh, a Thursday on June June 8th, which is, you know, I'm just trying to think of it. It's nothing. We should all get together and we should just share our feelings. No, you get to the holidays, you get the warm fuzzies, you kind of have the, I need to release the year's emotional baggage and I need to share with you in the spirit of giving. Well, Marvel likes doing that to us. They like to give to us on these special occasions. And an anthology issue means that we've got a few other stories. Since we've already been off just a little bit of time talking about the short story of the loners, I thought we could spend just a little moment talking about some of the other things that are in this. The first story is Piece of Cake, which is where we get our cover actually from, because we have Spider-Man and Wolverine on a little venture. She starts off with Wolverine, and he is hunting through the sewers for something. He's doing that because he wants the rest of the X-Men to have a nice holiday, and he doesn't want them going through the sewers. Peter Parker is at the Daily Bugle, and he has got this huge three-tiered pink cake, which he's got to get across town to Aunt May's party. And of course, he's getting yelled at by J. Jonah Jameson. We already know where this is going to go because there is no way in H.E. Double Hockey Sticks that that cake is going to make it to the other side of the town, especially when we, down in the sewers, all of a sudden find a sentinel that has been reprogrammed by a disgruntled Santa Claus that goes out and starts attacking New York City with Wolverine falling behind it. Spider-Man finds himself with this pink cake and a sentinel and a very angry Wolverine. Fight, fight, fight ensues. Of course, you know, it looks like the cake is always going to get saved. You know, he's saving people and the cake's going to get saved and everything. And it's all looking great. And then Spider-Man sacrifices the cake because Wolverine's finally stopped the Santa. And it looks like Wolverine's going to kill this Santa Claus. And Spidey throws the cake at him and says, you know, no, let's not do that. Santa Claus is arrested. Uh, Wolverine and Spidey have words. They're kind of a little bit of making up and everything. And Spidey's sad because he doesn't have his cake anymore. And Wolverine stops him and says, No, you're not going to go to the party without a cake, bub. And later on, Spider-Man appears with, It's a simple cake, but it's a cake nonetheless. And everybody really loves it. It's a really good cake. And later on, there just happens to be in the Daily Bugle. A picture of Wolverine in a chef's cap and a apron mixing up the cake. The last panel is uh, Wolverine and Iceman, and Wolverine's out there to get revenge on Peter Parker. So, uh, what did you think of this little issue, or this little story? Peter Parker, a la Spider-Man, has a strong history of not being a good transporter across <laughs> oh. town. He's lost cakes, he's... Shows a blade all the time. Also, a big heartbreaking one was he was transporting a like heirloom clock across town that Aunt May's husband, who was dying, was going to give to his son, J. Jonah Jameson. He needed to transport across town. But of course, Spider-Man being Spider-Man encounters all sorts of trials and tribulations. And But he makes it. He makes it there. Jonah's father's already died and the clock is busted. It's just like, oh, Spidey, you have the Parker luck. Yeah, Spider-Man losing a cake is is not... It's, it's just it's it's hilarious to see the imagery of him swinging across town with a giant multi-tier pink cake. Uh, the art yeah. in this one is good. The story is a lot of fun. 
it's a good it's a it's a holiday party. It's Santa and, and of course we have Santa Claus, a disgruntled Santa Claus worker running a defunct Sentinel to crash through New York City. Okay, I like it. Sentinel Claus is coming to town. <laughs> I, like it. I like I mean it is fun. It is exactly what you want from these things and uh, it, it's a good little story. It's a good little story. Not not too much, not too little and a good making fun of Wolverine at the end. You got to love it. You got to love it. <laughs> Next thing we have is Merry Christmas, written by Fred Hembeck. And what we got here is we've got, oh, 12 little vignettes of different individuals with Santa Claus beard, hats, and suits. All of it drawn in the Fred Hembeck style. Jeff, what do you think? Cute. is fun. I'm going to be honest. I glanced through the Spider-Man Wolverine story. I acknowledged the Hembeck page and I went over ours that we covered and then that's kind of it for it. So it, it's it's a Hembeck. <laughs> it is not out of the ordinary for what I'd expect of him. He's taken a character in his Hembeck style and made it a Hembeck character's yeah. Santa. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's great. It's a one page. It's a filler. It's a, it's a separator sheet between yeah, stories. Yeah. It's an aperitif. It's kind of fun. For those of you that don't know, Fred Hembeck is still out there. He's still doing his drawings. He does nice little trading card drawings, random ones he throws up on eBay and try to get it. I've actually picked up about three or four of them now, random ones. I've got a power man that's sitting right in front of me at this point in time. And they're kind of fun. They're kind of cute. I'm glad that he's out there getting a penny for his work. And bravo for him. The Meaning of Christmas is our third real story in here. And this one's a little funky. It is this guy at the Daily Bugle, and he's sent out to go and find what the true meaning of Christmas is. He somehow gets an appointment with Reed Richards, who Reed Richards sends him across the universe. He sends him to the home of the Inhumans, and he's asking them if they know the spirit of Christmas. He goes to Latveria. He goes to Trask Industries. Sees Namor, sees the Warriors 3 in Asgard, talks to Silver Surfer, talks to some scrolls, talks to Wakanda, and talks to just other people. Talks to Watu, and, and at the very end, we find out that, you know, it, it's all the scroll, uh, scroll in disguise. It's a quirky little story. I, I don't have much to say on it. I read through it and said, well, that's a guy trying to find the meaning of Christmas by asking people who don't want to talk to him. Okay, that's what we got. And that's the true meaning of Christmas, yes. is trying to spend time with people that don't want to spend time yeah. with you. Happy holidays, everyone. Speaking of which, <laughs> we have a special holiday pinup that's also in here, and it's by Frazier Irving. And it's a table where there is some kind of meat product that has been in the oven. And you've got, like, The Thing, Spider-Man, I think that's Mary Jane, Doctor Strange, Human Torch, Iron Fist, the Hulk, Wolverine, and She-Hulk all around the table. And right there is Wolverine front center. He's got a chef's apron on. And he has used his claws to cut up the meat product. And everybody is looking disgusted because those are his body knives that he has shot out of his yes. body and cut up the food with. And everyone's like... We were going to eat that, and now we're not going to eat that. Dang you, Wolverine. <laughs> Dang you. That has ninja bits still yeah. on it. Also, he it seemed like he less cut up the meat and more mangled the meat. <laughs> like, yeah. like a bear would maul a turkey I, I, carcass. I'm willing to just say that's a little bit of artistic license, and it just was supposed to be, you know, slide. Yeah, yeah. chop, chop, chop. But that's what it is. That's what it is. It's a holiday anthology. It's going <laughs> through, giving us what you want. 
Marvel wanted to get a few bucks, wanted to give some pe- some work to some people. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Only real, I think, meaty story in there, as far as continuity's sake, is the one that we already covered. Everything else is just kind of for fun, for filler. So I'm glad that yep. C.B. Sobolski got a chance to throw something of meaning in here. That still fit in with the idea of the holiday issue. So bravo for him. Oh, it really did. It fit, it it was nice because it was a twofer because it was a good little nice little short story, good on a little filler thing. It could stand alone and work great. But also, if you have any history with the characters, it really works on that as well. So bravo on that. That was a present in the holiday yep. special for us. Now I think we should go to our final thoughts and talk about some of the extra things in here. And as I went to my notes, I finally found where I put my really concise descriptions of all the things I just did a long description on. So I'm proud of myself for that. (laughs) Good job, Rick. Okay, final thoughts. Gallery of Greatness. What piece of art in our story needs to be pinned up to the walls of Namie's small, small, small little apartment? Jeff, you got a backup joke one for me, sir. I do. It's on page 23 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it some of the worst fries I've ever had. (laughs) To continue to hammer that nail of the never going to get sponsorship by In-N-Out Burger. This is the upper right hand panel, and this is Julie looking at her $50 gift card for In-N-Out Burger. It made me laugh because I find their french fries to be a joke. Okay, not getting that sponsorship at all. Thank you. I'm alienating Jeff. some people. <laughs> Tell us if you've if I've alienated you. I apologize, but this is my opinion. All right, we are going to go ahead and go to the second page of the story, and I have no idea what's on there, but I'm just calling the second page of the story, and this specifically is. As they're talking about, as Naomi's discussing what the different groups are, or the different people on the team, and she's talking a bit about Mickey, and, and I call this one, that is a painful attack, because as we're talking about Mickey, we're looking up and seeing her in the turbo armor, and she is doing this split kick thing while she's flying, and she has a look of either screaming or agony on her face, because that just looks painful as how she is kicking right now, I just... Ow. Yeah, it looks like her suit is just randomly firing off its turbo jets on the... Although it doesn't have any of the foot ones right now. Yeah. Just It has a singular wrist gauntlet. Maybe that's the problem is she only has her wrist, her left wrist turbo going. And so it's just flailing her about. Or maybe another one off screen is going and it's just trying to rip her in I, half. I don't I know. agree. It looks massively yeah, painful. Just, just, it does just, not look like a comfortable flight just, pattern just not, at all. Just not good. Just not good. What is your top joke one, sir? My top joke one is on Marvel Unlimited, page 22, and I call it, you got me a stick. I call it, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet twinsies. Yep, this is where Julie has opened up her present. And what was inside that she pulled out, Rick? An olive branch. (laughs) <laughs> or yeah or or stick it's just a stick it's a stick with leaves on it i mean i'll give her the benefit of the doubt that she realizes that it's an olive branch but she's still like the look on her face is um what? i will tell you exactly what it is one of my birthdays one of my friends gave me a gift and and i i'm opening up and i know instantly that this is a dvd set and i'm like cool me like dvds me like tv shows great i open it up and it's a save by the bell season two dvd set <laughs> And I had that same exact look on my face as I was going, as my mind was firing off synopses going, I don't get it. And I'm like, I went through the thought process. Did this become cool? Is this the in thing that all the kids have to like nowadays? Am I supposed to enjoy it? 
And then I realized that the receipt was there too. And what my friend did is instead of giving me a gift card, he gave me something that I would have to go and return <laughs> to get what you to want. get what I really wanted, and to be embarrassed by the fact that I was holding a Saved by the Bell season two. Bravo, sir. So. Uh. I don't know if I'm proud of him or angry with him for doing that. It's okay to live in both worlds, my friend. So, yes, we both have the same top joke one. Okay. It's a good one. It's It's a a good good one. one. Backup good art. Let's go ahead and go to the best art in here. I'm going to go back to page two, or I guess it's page 21 on, on Marvel Limited, if I'm doing the math right. And this is right next to the picture I talked about earlier with Mickey's painful attack. And this is Julie. And I call this Mm. one, Julie, I love to fly because she's talking about Julie and she's got these powers and about her and you see Julie and she's flying and she's got this smile on her face. And it's just, it's wonderful. It's, it's Julie happy. Yeah, it really is. It's nice. That's a good choice. I like that quite a little bit too. It's a good descriptor of her. Just it's like, here's Julie. She flies. She's happy when she flies. Yes, exactly. Exactly. What do you got for your backup? Good one. My Backup good one is on page 29, and I call it Writer's Hat. Now, this is the last page of the little story, and it's the second to the last panel, and this is Naomi. She's decided that she's like, you know what? I'm going to use the journal. I'm going to put on the Christmas hat that Johnny gave me, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to write, and I'm going to explore and try and figure out who I am. And I just thought that was uh, touching and beautiful, and I just like the fact she, she put a Santa stocking on her head to like get into the writing mode yeah and i think that was cool i agree i agree that's a really nice choice a nice moment of quietness right there unlike the page before which i'm gonna say is my best top good art and this is the, and this is the big old picture where we've got them helping out at the play at the mall or wherever this is with a big tree in the background the kids out front Everybody's got elf costumes except for Chris. Chris is in the Santa Claus outfit, and Julie is in a reindeer outfit. And it is cute. It is adorable. It is enjoyable. And it is happy holidays, you call folks. It? Yeah, I just, happy holidays, folks. I just called it last page. I, I couldn't get anything more than that. I could call it happy holidays. I think that probably is about best I can do. I called it poorly laid out illegal mall Santas. <laughs> because it doesn't really look like they were supposed to be there because there's they don't have any lines or guidelines set up it is just it is a horde in a just snaking in front of the way line of kids kind of thing and then just other kids get in the and family members get in front of you taking pictures of your kid on on potential santa <laughs> you sir you sir do not have the christmas spirit you sir are are a grinch are a Grinch. Every group has to have a Grinch, just like Johnny said, which is my top Uh, rubber and glue moment. (laughs) I'm a mean one, Mr. Rick. I'm a nasty Christmas Grinch. I'm just saying that that was my top rubber and glue moment right there, as Johnny saying every group has to have a Grinch, and that, my friend, is you. That is my backup Grinch one. Okay. <laughs> That's on page 21. Yeah. Yeah, after the introduction of everybody with their powers and Johnny saying every group has to have its Grinch. Talking yep. about Mickey. Yep. yep. That's my backup. That's your top. That was my top. My backup one was Julie just saying darn last again. I was having trouble finding a real rubber and glue moment. So I was doing the self-burn of saying, of Julie saying darn I'm last again. So. Okay. What was yours? Mine is on the very first page. So page 20 of Marvel Unlimited. And it's unknown who says this, but I'm going to assign it to uh, Chris, Mr. Darkhawk, because mm-hmm. it seems like it's 
in his milieu of what he would say, which yeah. is, come on, Naomi, Julie's so excited, she's about to pee her pants. Good call. I find that to be very childish. Yeah. So uh, no, I thought fine. that was great. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I missed that point now. That's good. Now, usually we do the most popular and shunned, but everybody's really good at this one. And, and it's hard to really do a, a popular or shunned, especially when they're giving gifts. I just, that's mean. That's really mean. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and judge the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> who gave the best and who gave the worst present? Jeff, who do you think gave the worst present? I've got my choices. you got your choices. Who do you think gave the worst? Which is the worst present? Well, let me check in my gift bag and I'm going to shake, 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 shake. All signs point to Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the Magic 8-Ball too. I, that, I had the same yeah. one. Do you want to know my reasonings for it? Sure. Okay, every other gift was a heartfelt message. Chris's was a heartfelt message as well. But everyone else's message was acceptance, home, forgiveness, source of self. His was, you need to change. Well, and that's not always the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there might have been a little bit of you need to change, too, from, from Mickey. But hers was, you need to find the center of yourself. And Chris is more like, uh, you need to stop being like you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love everything physical about you, but you really need to not be you. <laughs> you should be someone different. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that, I, so, that's why. I, I, Magic 8 Balls are fun. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Those are pretty cool. I just found that his was, everybody else's was a positive message, and his was a more selfish kind of. For the best gift, I went with the New York Yankees hat. I went through a lot of reasons for it, but I actually thought it's practical, it's thoughtful, it's insightful. It's something that he will use, possibly on a day-to-day basis, and it shows that she thought about him, and it there's a level of insight that also went in there as well, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't probably see Johnny talking too much about sports, but th- there's a lot of things that she would have to pick up on to get to that gift. And I think that it was kind of surprising for him, just like, how did you put this together? And I, I liked that. I liked the absolute surprise of it. No, it was really good. It wasn't just Johnny talking about it. She had said that she had heard everyone talking about their love of New York, their love of home. And, and it's great just to be kind of like, this is a gift to one person, but really it's a gift to everyone in the fact, fact that she understands it's like, you have a sense of place and a sense of self. This can be a representation of it. I know this is a, a place, New York, being a place that you love, that in your heart, that is home. Here is a piece of your heart. I'm giving it to you. So, yeah, it's a great gift. What did you have? Oh, that magic eight ball is rad, bro. (laughs) No, it is. uh, I thought Julie's gift of a journal. I like that one the best. And that is because that is, it's so intimate and Mm -hmm. personal. And it was the the sense of like, I, I use this to find myself. I'm using this to figure out my own life. I have and I am. And also, I think it would benefit you to be able to have a space where you can safely explore and try and figure yeah. out who and what you are and who and you can safely kind of veer off and go like well wait a minute what if i am a robot monster who needs to destroy <laughs> tokyo but i'm gonna i'm gonna circle back on that but but i'm not and i'm not a kaiju what i am is a very attractive robot jeff, who gives jeff, really good gifts jeff I'm, so, I'm gonna i'm gonna break it to you man you are a robot that is going to destroy at least west portland beep boop beep Boop, challenge accepted, accepted <laughs> challenge, Jeff bot destroy. 
destroyed. You just hit the the traffic on Highway 26. I think that's the reason you're going to finally snap. I mean, to be fair. Trapped on 217. (laughs) Trapped on Highway 26. Trapped in the Sunset Tunnel. Giving up. Rejecting mission. Returning home. Sitting. No longer a robot. That sucked. I don't want to do it anymore. So... (laughs) I got some of the worst traffic. And to if, get if this seems very topical, well, it is. Anyways, let's move on then. Let's move on and talk a little bit about top grades. We are going to evaluate this against all the other books with at least one member of Power Pack in it, if not the whole team. So we're going to go ahead and put this into our ever growing list. And Jeff. We've got at the top Uncanny X-Men, Volume 1, number 205, Wounded Wolf. Spot number eight, we've got Runaways, Volume 2, Number 4, True Believers, Part 4. This is where the kids try to figure out who Vic's daddy is. And down on spot number 11, we have got Volume Loners, Volume 1, Number 6, Double Identities. This is the last issue of the Loners, where Phil leaves and everybody gets mad at everybody else. And they have to have Christmas presents to solve the issues. And of course, the last one we have... Number three, What Lies Beneath. This is where Julie is in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. Man, I I knew this section was coming and I've given it no thought as to where I think it goes. Here, Okay, here is my very strongest opinion that I have right now. Sure. Is that this is definitely better than Loner's number six. It is better than the very last Loner's one. Yes, I can definitely agree with you on that one. Now let's work our way up. Yeah, I agree. Okay, the other loners one that we've got in that area is on spot number seven, Fear of Flying. That's the loners number one. So where Maddie convinces mm-hmm. Chris to hunt down drug makers. That one's got more meat than this one. So I think it does exist somewhere in between here, which leaves us with some issues of runaways we gotta cipher through. Mm-hmm. Is this better than them trying to the kids trying to figure out who Vic's daddy is? Because that was a big talky kind of yeah. jokey kind of you like know, I, I think how could Galactus be your dad kind of stuff. I think this might be. I think this might be. Yeah. I, I think that this actually does. The, it's actually a good spot for it because I think it does the same things. It's it's them trying to get through and discover stuff, but this one does it faster and with less words. So I'm willing yeah, to say and it that does this, it for more people. Yeah, I'm willing to say that this is that this is a little bit better than that one. I would be more than happy with this being at spot eight. Dippy dippy do. That's perfect. Then let's do it there. All right. All right. That's fast. Then again, we only have 14 issues to go through, so. Well, I don't know. We've, we found a good space for right away, and it's a good issue. I think it's a nice one to read, and I think it fixes a lot of the problems that, unfortunately, the writer had to leave on the table there. So Yeah, it, it's rough when two-thirds of your story gets axed. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about our beer, Tough Love. Which, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm drinking it nice and slowly. And this is probably going to last me a bit of tonight. I've, uh, I, I sped up on my drinking of it because I like the tingly feeling my skin has now. Yeah, uh, there is that too. Um, wow. 14 ABV, baby! Yeah, I will tell you that I can taste the alcohol. Yeah. It is not the beer hops. It is not the fermentation. I am tasting the alcohol, that burning bourbon barrel. It's in there. You can taste it. The weird thing is, is that it numbs the imperial part of the stout down. So it does. The imperial stout doesn't bite. You're just getting that burn of alcohol. Mm-hmm. It makes everything else nice and smooth. But whew, this is one that you 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 take your time with. Yeah, you don't need to have several of these. And no. I'm like I said, I, I 
purposefully speeding through it because I know we got another recording tonight to get to. But uh, I'm enjoying it. I do Imperial Stouts I can go back and forth on. I think this may be one of the best Imperial Stouts that I've had. I'm liking it for that. So I'm I'm back and forth. I'm feeling it's a four. The flavor profile has stayed constant. I can tell it has alcohol in it, it like you were saying with the flavor mm-hmm. of it, where it's just like, oh, because a lot of times with Imperial Stouts, you go, wow, I can really taste that bourbon barrel and it's a little offensive to me. But this, it smells like an, uh, a sweet Imperial Stout. It has a nice nose to it. It pours really good. Again, dark as night. Nice flavor. It's a, it's a good strong four for me. I'm like a, a four plus. I don't think I'm ready to give it a four or five, but it's it's a it's a really decent beer, and I think it is possibly the best Imperial Stout I've ever had. Yeah, I think I can agree with you on that. I think that it is a strong four for me as well. It probably could be a four point five if I really if I really sat down and I could I could enjoy it outside of a rushed setting because yeah, I'd like to compare it to a couple of other Imperial Stouts at the same time to kind of get a you know like the ranking system of some glasses. I wouldn't because I think I would be on the floor. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that I think that this one, that one of these bottles, because we have two bottles here, one on your side, one on my side, one of these bottles would have served us fine. We could have split this nicely tonight. Yes, this is an amazing split beer. This is an amazing, hey, buddy, come on over, let's share a beer. And you crack one of these open, you work your way. It's going to take you nine minutes to get through the wax seal. And your friend's going to laugh at you. And then you go, you if you think it's funny, you try it. And then they're going to be like, this is a bugger. And the yeah. friend says, not a problem. He pulls out a machete and just chops the top and does, does the <laughs> chopping of the top right off and they're like oh i didn't think of that but yeah. no this is the this is the type of beer that you see the uh, the smaller servings done in and for a yeah. reason it's a 14 percent. this is a strong one man this is a strong one okay we have we have wax poetic about this enough i think we need to move on and let somebody who's sober talk now Oh, and I know who should be sober, and that should be your 11-year-old daughter, who does a bit with you called Kids Perspective. And that is where Rick talks to his hopefully sober daughter about the (laughs) issue we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. All right, I guess we're just going to talk about the loner's short story in this Marvel Holiday special, because you don't want to read any of the other ones, huh? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So we left off the loners in the regular series with them having this big fight and nobody talking to each other. or and it, and it just became very awkward at the end. So looks like some time has passed and now they're doing a holiday exchange, correct? Yeah. And this feels a bit better, like forgiving and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a bit more cheerfulness, unlike how the last one ended, which is just like, I don't understand what's going on right now. I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) And in this issue, we've got some forgiveness. We've got some apologies. And we got some pretty nice gifts, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you thought about the different gifts or the different relationships that came out of this. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty neat. For a moment when Johnny first gave his present to Julie, I thought it was going to be like a flower or something. (laughs) <laughs> and then when it like ended up being an olive branch, I'm like, uh, okay, sure. Um, olive branch. Okay. It wasn't a very impressive gift when she first got it, right? Yeah, it's she was like, cute, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> what else did you notice from just the gift giving and, and the relationships? I noticed that the Secret Santa seems to be kind of like someone who's close to them. For the first two, it mm-hmm. was Johnny who had a crush on Julie. The next one, it was Chris and Mickey. And then, you know, it just went with the rest of the team members. But like, it started off with that. Well, all of them are pretty close to each other. Nami is the only one who really doesn't have too much of a connection with anybody yet, but all of them have a good relationship with each other. Yeah. What was your favorite gift that was given or gift that was received? I don't know. The necklace was kind of cool, but I like the magic eight ball because you can just answer yes or no or something. (laughs) Is that something you need to help you make decisions? Do you need a magic eight ball? Yes. Well, I now know what I'm going to get you for the next Secret Santa. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be that secret since you just said so, but whatever. Oh, you're going to forget it by the time it comes around. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What about the ending? Did you like the ending with Mickey's surprise for them? That was pretty funny that they just went into the party. Being a Santa Claus and giving out gifts, right? Yeah. Making people happy. Yeah. Do you like that? Yeah, that was really cute at the end. And what did you think about Naomi being the narrator for this issue? That was pretty cool, but like... I don't know Naomi too well, so now I know a bit more about her, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. This is kind of just where she's ends almost. Yeah, this is this is her last real appearance. So it's kind of weird that we don't really see her again. We don't really have any other interactions with her. She she really kind of disappears off the face of the earth. I mean, it it works for this story, right? Yeah, it works for this story. And it was a really cute ending. I just liked a bit of holiday cheer because. The last few issues were pretty dark and, I don't know, (laughs) boring a bit, some of it. (laughs) Okay, well, that is your opinion, and that's perfectly fine. Anything else you want to say about this? I kind of like the art, too. The art's really good in it. I I liked it, too. I like this style of art. I like what they've done with it. And I'm glad that C.B. Sabalski, the writer, got a chance to end this, to kind of put a bow on the loners. Yeah, that's pretty nice. A bow actually... Pretty true, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Thank you. Love you. Love you, too. Yep. It's the holidays, Carrie. I know. It was super cute of them being in the mall and the way they looked. And uh, Julie as a reindeer was possibly the cutest thing I'd ever seen. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 109, where we covered The Loners. Number five, Chinks in the Armor. Al Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Charles Gears. Clinton Robinson and his podcasts, Coffee and Comics, and Fan Film Fridays. Craig McNichol. Hoover Jeremiah and the Four Million Years Later Podcast. Jeff Pollier. Jeremy Daw. Jonathan Schaefer Hames and his podcast, Married with Cartoons, or whatever it's called now. <laughs> Malcontent. And he says, you guys are doing your usual great work on The Loner's Run. Shame it's not a better book, which might have something to do with the series reduction, too. But it's good to see Julie grow as a person, and I like that the writers remembered her healing factor. Thank you, Mal. That's really nice of you to say. Max reads comics and his podcast, Weird Warriors. Sean and the never-ending Reading Pile podcast. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles, and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And he says, your latest episode was certainly some kind of wonderful. Not sure what kind exactly. Well, I'm glad you're confused by it too, because we don't know either, Waffles. And that brings us to our thanks 
to our wonderful Patreon members. They give us some money that allow us to keep doing this. We appreciate it. And we always would like to have more Patreon supporters, including adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Next issue, we are going to cover War of Kings Darkhawk number one. But before that, our next episode, we are doing another interview. That's right. We just did one. We're doing another one. This time, we're going to talk to Fred Van Lent, the writer of three of the miniseries of all-age comic power pack books that we covered on our Patreon side. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Please be sure to check out the other show that I'm on, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabouts on the Longbox Crusade Network. It's a lot of fun. You might enjoy it. That's just my opinion. I'm not going to lie. I've uh, listened to more than the one that I hosted. And uh, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, to be very honest. I enjoy it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. I argue with you guys sometimes, but uh, it's fun. It's neat. You argue with us. You should listen to uh, Action Film Face Off, which I will be on one. Uh, probably not too long after this comes out. Me and the boys are talking about a couple of films that may or may not have Tom Cruise in them. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Legend and Cocktails. Cocktail Legends. You know what? Those are both powerful action movies. (laughs) Read the words, buddy. Read the words. (laughs) Steel Magnolias and Rain Man. I cannot read the room. (laughs) And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Mark present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast and recording in front of a live studio audience of a stack of comic books I just got signed in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Mark present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Mark present, our email address, Jeff and Mark present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Mark present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com Jeff and Rick present all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the hero initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to HeroInitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Summer Hit by Winnie the Moog. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Hey! Hey. (coughs) We're here for jokes.
We brought you jokes. You asked for jokes. You've got a joke. <laughs> Only one. And that was it. This hour will not be any fun. Nobody asked for jokes. Nobody asked for us. We're here anyways. <laughs> Some people have requested no jokes. Some people have said, why is there jokes? I want to just have somebody tell me about the comic that I could read while being as stoic as possible. Hey! hey. I'm having a hard time opening this thing up. <laughs> <laughs> Here, come on, wax. Yeah, come on. I, I, I should have maybe had you like you know start working on that as we were talking. <laughs> yeah, I, sh I should have pre-funked this beer pretty well. <laughs> I got you. I mean, I'm not done yet, but I'm closer. <laughs> I did it, like a big boy kid. Hey. hey, Marvel Holiday Special 2007, issue number one, February 2008. <clears throat> February 2008. Okay, I guess it came... <clears throat> so the 2007 holiday special came out in February 2008? Just go with it, buddy. Trust me, I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs>